to another episode of Poetry Says Everyone. My name is Alice and this is episode 48 in which I got the chance to speak with the wonderful Benjamin Solar who is behind a fantastic organisation called Melbourne Spoken Word. So I knew very little about spoken word and slam poetry before I started preparing for this interview and I guess I'd gone through a bit of an awakening when it comes to the whole spoken word scene or spoken word community. I think this is a form of poetry that I had basically kind of sectioned off from my own life. I thought well that's something that those guys do over there and I can't do it. It doesn't really appeal to me and I'm just going to put it over there in a little box and not worry about it. But then over the last year or so, I started to see poets perform spoken word and at slams or just even at everyday poetry readings who were so engaged with their work and so engaging to the people who were watching. And I thought, there's definitely something here. Um, This is something I need to pay a lot more attention to and take a lot more seriously than I have been. So the other week I went along to the final of the Slam-a-dam-a-ding-dong slam here in Melbourne and this particular slam was to choose the members of the National Slam Poetry team who were going to go over to the US and represent Australia in uh, a national competition. So that was extremely exciting and in this interview I talked to Ben about the experience of going to that slam which was really eye-opening and I'm also referring a lot here to episode zero of a new podcast that Ben is putting together with other members of the community called Melbourne Speaks Poetry and if you're really interested in this topic I would highly recommend giving that one a listen. I'll definitely link to it in show notes. So we talk about Melbourne Speaks Poetry, we talk about slam versus spoken word, and we talk about the ways in which um, the spoken word scene or community has this democratic element. Even as we're talking about definitions, I think we're always kind of leaving the door open and saying, this is what we think, but there's room for contention, there's room for collaboration, and plenty of room for questions. So if you do have questions after listening to this, Don't hesitate to jump online. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook, and I will link to a lot of the things that we mentioned here in the show notes. Hope you enjoy this one. Thanks for listening. Last night I just sat on my couch and listen to the first episode or episode zero of Melbourne Speaks Poetry. Mm. How often are you guys going to be recording that? Is that an annoying question? Um, we didn't want to set like a regular kind of period of when we were going to record, but the idea was we'd do one every couple of months. So we're working on our episode one right yeah. now, which oh. is on the history of the Melbourne poetry scene. Um, so it's, and like each episode will focus on a different topic so I think we'll chat about slam at some point as well just like have one episode dedicated to slam because it's such a contentious topic so um, really yeah. oh I want to get into that mm-hmm. but yeah it was great to listen to that because it basically answered a lot of the questions that I had 
in terms of like real basics mm -hmm. because I don't have a slam or a spoken word background at all. Mm -hmm. um, and the other week when the Slam and Ding Dong final was on, I went along mm -hmm. and I was just completely blown away by, I mean, I walked up to the venue, which is this incredible venue, it's the Melbourne Spiegel Tent, and there's a line of people out the door, down the street, and all different kinds of people, all different ages, and I'm just like, where did you guys come from? How long have you been doing this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what have I been missing, yeah. you know? Yeah. It felt like, but it also felt incredibly, like as a total newbie, mm -hmm. it felt incredibly welcoming. I didn't feel like I was somehow on the back foot because I had never been to a proper slam before, mm -hmm. which is a real like testament, I think, to the, the MCs as well. Um, we kind of find, especially for the slams, but a bunch of other gigs as well, that like there are a lot of newcomers that come into spoken word because people have, I guess, come across it from other things, whether it's YouTube or whatever, and then they, yeah. So there's a lot of curiosity out there, which is kind of why I do Melbourne Spoken Word, to kind of find all those people. Right, so you, you created MelbourneSpokenWord.com mm. yourself. Yeah. And it's also, it's not just a website, but it's like a community, a collective. Mm. So I started like a blog slash website, um, I think it was like 2012. Um, it's like five years ago just it was just a website I wanted to post some blog articles about and some reviews about what's going on with spoken word and then it had like an upcoming events list um, which I found very early on was kind of the main thing people were really excited about to have like a centralized place for people to find out about events and so forth um, and then because there's so many spoken word and poetry events around Melbourne and they've been there for like well before I started doing poetry or even moved to Melbourne mm -hmm. but um, a lot of times you find out about events by word of mouth like um, so the idea was to kind of create a central place to share that and kind of cre create more of a sense of community yeah. um, which kind of already existed but by bringing it together it kind of welcomes new people into the community at the same time mm, mm. Um, yeah. and then when was it like 2016 or 2015 um, I decided that the kind of WordPress blog format was a bit too amateur for what I was doing because we were doing it like a weekly email and events and so forth and then I was like why don't I um, run a crowdfunding campaign mm -hmm. and so you, to get a professional web designer to come in and design a custom website oh. specifically to list all the events and make the upcoming event section like the prime focus of what I was doing mm -hmm. and so around that time that's when I was like this is like a proper arts organization now um, and I wanted more, some of it to be like more accountable to not just I guess my own tastes and what I wanted but the rest of the community so then I invited I guess who I people I see is like influential around the poetry scene to come on board and we created the committee mm, okay. mm. so you're in a real facilitator role then mm -hmm. you're kind of uh, not overseeing so much but you're like the the point at which all this information passes through mm -hmm. but I mean, it's, so it's obviously very organised and it's very much welcoming to beginners, mm -hmm. but are they the only two reasons the community is so strong? Because I really felt 
something at that event that I haven't necessarily felt at every poultry event I've gone to, which is I could walk up to anybody here and ask just the most basic question and mm-hmm. no one is going to laugh in my face. Like, it felt more like, as you guys were talking about on the podcast, um, it felt more like a community rather than a scene, quote unquote. Yeah, I so- sometimes use those terms interchangeably. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Whereas scene probably does kind of indicate something different to community or whatever. Yeah, well, to me, scene kind of suggests a hierarchy, maybe, or suggests yeah. like an inner and an outer. Yeah. Um, I guess community does too. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is, it was just really welcoming, and I'm yeah. just wondering. What are the factors that you see as contributing to that? I think because there is such a constant, there is constant newcomers coming into the scene and there's people that have been around for years who've been doing gigs for years and then there's people who come in new all the time. So there's such a broad range of like experience and, and tastes in poetry and like what kind of styles they like and all that kind of stuff that I guess people are kind of used to that diversity of like engagement that mm. people kind of just take people on face value or whatever. Mm. Like I've, I found it different to like other kind of literary st- scenes or communities that I'd previously been involved in just because I think the open mic is a great way to introduce yourself to a bunch of new people in a community. So I get up on the open mic, I p- perform a poem and like people will come up to you afterwards and like be really friendly and chat to you mm. um so people are kind of constantly welcoming new people yeah i think but it's not as if people who are established players who've been doing it for 15 years are in any way threatened or territorial mm-hmm. they're just like hey good on you for doing this for the first time that's great yeah um, yeah. yeah we love seeing new people because it kind of i think it constantly challenges people to write in different ways as well to have people get up and do new styles and like yeah and it's so broad what constitutes poetry or spoken word mm. um that like yeah anything goes really yeah well i see i wasn't going to get into definitions because you guys did such a fantastic job yeah in that episode of, of doing that but i did want to just maybe have a working mm-hmm. sense of um, your answer to a question that someone asked me recently, mm-hmm. which I couldn't answer, yeah. which is, what's the difference between slam and spoken word? I couldn't uh, answer <laughs> um, my, my, my fumbled answer was, oh, slam is a competition and spoken word is the type of poetry that they do there. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- right? I think that works. Okay. So it, the definition will depend on who you chat to, but for me, slam is a competition which is invented by a guy called Mark Smith in the 1980s where he was like essentially poetry readings are really boring I want to make it into some sort of competition with boxing gloves in the ring type metaphor he created and then so it's like no props no costumes must be the poet's original work under three minutes and it's judged by five, five random people in the audience So you've got you, your voice, and a microphone, and you can do whatever you want within those three minutes. Mm. Um, And then spoken word is, like you said, the art form or the the thing you do with your voice. But some other people would then say that the competition has, I guess, bred or developed a style of spoken word 
that's um, different or kind of formulaic, like there's a formula or a style that people are more likely to perform in a slam as compared to like an open mic or a reading or whatever. Mm. Um, my contention is that like there's nothing in the competition format that makes people do that. And I think if someone want, wanted to get up at a slam and perform a haiku and just read haiku, three lines, you don't have to use the whole three minutes. You don't have to do a certain style of poetry. Why, if there's five random people in the audience and they like your haiku, they'll give you a good score. But That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because I think people do have a very strong sense of like, oh, slam poet's going to get up and do this kind of thing. Mm. They're going to speak really loudly and put emphasis on certain words and, and they're going to use the entire three minutes right up to the second. Yeah. And there would be a certain kind of cadence and yeah. kind of affected nature of the voice. Like a lot of, I think in America, if you listen to button poetry or write about now or something like that, you will notice that a lot of them, one will always talk about like kind of social issue mm-hmm. type poetry. And then we'll have that kind of affected style, which kind of culminates in some sort of big, crescendo type thing at the end. it gets faster and louder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Which works for me because I like loud kind of um, kind of political poetry and that's kind of why I got attracted to it in the first place. Mm. But I think especially in the Australian slam scene if you could call it that um, there are a lot of people who do more naturalised kind of performances and use their voice in a natural kind of way. And there was previous slams like Nathan Kernow and um, Sean M. Whelan and Emily Zoe Baker and that that era of Bab- Babel Slam um, which was at Bar Open o- yeah Bar Open um, and that a lot of them had a more naturalised style of kind of performing that's kind of different to nowadays I guess Last time I did an interview here yeah. at the Wheeler Centre in this very room I was interviewing Alan Wern and he said something that really annoys him mm. is the term spoken word poetry because his contention was all poetry is spoken word in that it all reaches towards being spoken out loud and that I was really interested to hear the discussion in the podcast about just how flexible everyone's definition of spoken word was because it was kind of like oh there's no disagreement here you guys all think that as well it's just a a convenient term Mm -hmm. I mean you have to you have to make a distinction between people who are, well, I don't even know if this is fair, but would you say like people who are writing a poem primarily to speak it aloud and people who are writing a poem primarily for it to be read on the page? Mm. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a difference there. And for me, I, I probably did start out writing stuff for the page. Like I was a prose writer before I became a poet. Um, but I quickly learned that I much prefer to get across a lot of meaning through my voice rather than trying to get across meaning through through just the words alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of spoken word poets would not kind of submit to journals or kind of... we might. A lot of spoken word poets produce books and sell books at gigs and stuff like that, but they wouldn't like consider themselves like they wouldn't submit to Cordite or... Um, or kind of see like they see that as separate I think um just yeah I don't but I but then at the same time there's a lot of people you might consider page poets who will get up and read at a reading or an event and that's like 
a spoken word gig can encompass someone who's like doing like really out there kind of experimental performance art with their voice bordering on kind of theatre and then someone gets up and reads a poem from their book or whatever mm. and that's like all within the same event. Yeah, it's all within, it's all slightly scale. Mm-hmm. That um, issue of not submitting to journals is really interesting to me because one of the things about the slam that not so much shocked me but mm. I just thought was really striking was that um, we're putting the judgment of these poets in the hands of five random people mm-hmm. and the thing to mention there is the winners of this competition were going to go to the US and perform like represent Australia mm-hmm. and it just struck me as like so radical <laughs> just like yeah. what <laughs> you can't do that yeah. but at the same time of course you can mm-hmm. why on earth could the audience decide on what they like yeah. like who am I to say oh no no but there are people in this room who have like more um, experience and they know better mm-hmm. you know I t- I'm totally bored into this idea of like the editor as arbiter yeah. even though I would like to think that I'm not at all so, so yeah, that's yeah. really radical to me. I mean, sometimes you, I turn up at a slam and then someone doesn't get through to the second round or get bombs out in the first round, and I'm like, how did they, like, how did the judges not pick them or whatever? But most of the time, I feel like the judges make the right decision. Um, and in that case, like, on that night, like, the decision was really great. I think we ended up with a really cool team. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I guess like the whole point of poetry events as opposed to like I guess a journal or whatever is that the audience like do like they're the people that make the event happen because without an audience like we couldn't afford to hire that venue or pay the performers or anything like that mm-hmm. so they so five of those random people who paid tickets to come to that event get to decide who is the best on the night like I feel like it's kind of in some ways a more democratic way of doing things and the other thing is like with open mic and slam is that even if your poem isn't decided to be the best you still get to get up and have your work read by or heard by the audience Mm. so whereas if you submit to a journal like if your poem's not the best and it's not picked by an editor no one sees it that's right and that can go on for years yeah so I probably spent ages submitting to journals before I got published in something. And I think the first time we got published, like a page poem published, it was a commission someone had seen me perform at an event and then asked me to submit. But all the ones I'd submitted blindly, like, were never accepted. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you think that democratic approach is a big reason why people join or why people rock up to a slam? I love the stories mm-hmm. that you guys were telling about, oh, I was just walking down Brunswick Street and I saw this guy mm, yeah. and he said, come here, we're doing a poetry slam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think it, it attracts a lot of people because a lot of people come to poetry for different reasons, like, well, your reasons can change or whatever. Sometimes you just want to read out a poem because you want to express an opinion or some sort of feeling, not necessarily you want to submit because you want to be published or kind of wildly respected or kind of or be the best or whatever Mm -hmm. so a lot of people use open mics as like therapy or like to express opinions and stuff like that and um without necessarily having some sort of lofty expectation of art or anything like that it's just like it's just a sharing space for some people and for other people it's 
a place for play and experimentation and mm-hmm. um, and more artistic goals but yeah it all it all varies and people can kind of come in and take what they want out of the event right but then how do you Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't quite know how to put this without mm-hmm. sounding just horrible. Mm-hmm. But how do you control for those people who come in? I mean, I've been to open mics mm-hmm. where people have rocked up uh, incredibly drunk, yeah, or like incoherently drunk, mm-hmm. um, or just made stuff up on the spot, mm-hmm. which I guess is okay. Yeah, but it just wasn't very good. But then again, who am I to decide whether it's any good? Mm-hmm. Like. Is that ever a concern? Do you sort of think, oh, God, here's this person again? Like, um, yeah. That, yeah, I'm trying not to say quality control, but that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> I think there's always, like, a risk of that kind of stuff happening, and it does happen all the time. I mean, I've probably performed a poem pretty drunk before, but I think I was pretty... At least I was pretty coherent, like, you could understand, but people were ad-lib or, like... Um, but the thing with open mic is you've usually got only got three or five minutes and it's a small part of the event. So if like one or two kind of bad open micers get up um, and do something like that, then like it's kind of fine. Yeah. And then a lot of the events will have open mic and then they'll have feature performers. So the feature performers are invited to be there. They're usually paid and they get a longer set. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you can point to those people as like kind of examples of like really good work and yeah. um and kind of it focus takes the focus off maybe like some bad open micers or whatever yeah yeah i don't know why this it mm. is like such a concern it's not really it's just i've been to a number of open mics and just had those those moments of like staring at my shoes going is is this really happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, is this person really doing this? Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, like, it's so it's not really harming anyone. Like, it's, like you say, it's over in a few minutes, mm-hmm. and they get to have their time up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe but there's the like, it, I guess it depends on the open mic, the quality of the open mic, can sometimes attract different crowds and like, and that is the skill of a like a good convener is about attracting certain people or mm. um and creating that space sometimes people might get up and the poem isn't particularly great but they're like a beginner and they're trying something out or whatever or there's some but and those people are kind of i usually don't mind those people if they just read like a rhyming couplet type poem and you're like it's like you can see that they're trying to improve or whatever versus mm. like someone who you could have someone that's been around for 10 years and then gets up kind of drunk and like starts like ranting or going like well over the a lot of the thing that annoys me is when people like abuse the space in terms of like going over time or whatever yeah that's Um, really frustrating yeah Yeah. and that's usually not beginners it's usually some people who've been around for a while who kind of yeah yeah like i've earned my time here yeah 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 um, so you, you mentioned before that you personally got mm. attracted to the art form because of its engagement with politics. Yeah. Um, do how do you find the kind of range of political opinion within spoken word? Is it fairly uniform, or are there are there political debates happening between poems sometimes? I think I think there's like debate or like there's a difference of opinion within the scene. I guess some people think it's very almost 
exclusively left-leaning, mm-hmm. but but some people on the le- I would say I'm from the left, and I would say there's like a, a spectrum of the left within that anyway. So I feel like there's a lot of leeway and there's a spectrum there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think it's fairly diverse. I don't really. But and then at the same time there'll be people who get up and read, read more right wing poems or whatever. Um, really. Um, yeah, it depends on the event though. Yeah, right. Um, that would be so interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, there's Patrick McCauley who writes usually for Quadrant, and um, and he will get up and if you see him in an event, we'll read. It. I got I was in an event where Maxine Benever Clark was the feature poet, and he turned up, and they don't get along, and um, he read this poem. Uh, kind of saying how terrible the ABC was and it was like yeah it's really cringeworthy <laughs> yeah and then I think I might have got up and read a poem um, that was not too nice to Australia Day and like yeah and I got heckled and stuff which was fine but you got heckled yeah what were people, do you remember what they said no I can't remember oh my god yeah it was fine then yeah oh it's so like mind-blowing to mm. me that and there was something else that you guys mentioned in your chat is that you've done a a gig on a tram. Mm-hmm. What what tram was it? The nineteen the up 19. Sydney Road. Far out. Yeah, it was a commission by the Moreland City Council for their More Out Festival. Right. And so they were like, "Can you read poetry on the tram for a week?" And so for an a hour. A week. For an hour each day, we four poets would jump on the tram and like perform on this tram up and down Sydney Road. Um, it was great. Like. We probably got heckled like once or twice, but the rest of it was like everyone was really amazed and like getting out their phones and taking photos of us and like, yeah, it was really cool. That's mind blowing. Yeah, it's really mind blowing. It just makes me realise how incredibly safe my world as mm-hmm. a quote unquote page poet is. I'm just very, and I and I still worry so much about mm-hmm. like how the tiny bit of work I have out there is received mm-hmm. and whether I've you know thought through. Um, how like every different kind of reader might take it mm-hmm. if I don't want it to be taken in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think events like that really show show to like people who would consider themselves poets within Australia is probably very small. Um, and then we kind of always think that like poetry is this very like niche kind of like fringe kind of literary art form that like only some people really like but then you take it out to a tram or something like that or we did it at white night two years ago and then you realize that um especially the spoken form of poetry is incredibly accessible and people like like to hear it and like to hear people's stories and um and then that kind of that stuff shows me that like poetry could be more popular if like if you kind of work it Mm, mm. work at doing that without yeah. dumbing it down or anything like that I don't think you have to do that yeah no yeah it, it really sounds like describing that reading on the tram and the way that you you're talking about the community that you really have each other's back mm-hmm. um, is is it have you found that people are pretty open with um, giving feedback on each other's work like if you say you didn't particularly or you thought somebody could do a reading better, mm-hmm. would you feel comfortable to go to them and be like, hey, with this line, maybe you could put the emphasis here or something like that? Or I think maybe not at an open mic, and it's something like Melbourne Spoken Word has been working on 
a bit more in terms of like developing the like the craft a bit more mm-hmm. so was it last year um me sam Ferrente, and Ariel cottingham set up a thing called we work this shop which is like a weekly workshop that happens on sundays um in brunswick and so people can turn up there and bring their palms for more like kind of detailed and extended feedback and kind That's of because so cool. um, we found that like open mics are really encouraging but like if you want to and sometimes if you're particularly attuned to the audience or whatever you can work out which lines and stuff you know don't hit as hard um or you don't get a laugh or something like that you can kind of work out from that or like if you have a close friend who is there might give you like more detailed feedback but we wanted to create more of a space where that could happen Mm -hmm. more openly so we've created that space um because yeah it's like the next i think it's the next stage of like trying to kind of develop the communities try to give some people more tools to kind of develop their craft with Mm -hmm. more kind of critical feedback and i i probably don't think it happens enough within spoken word yeah well i guess otherwise it's just guesswork right you're Mm -hmm. thinking oh I remember that this line got a laugh, but you could be misremembering that. Yeah, and or sometimes I, I have this poem that I've been trying out like endlessly at gigs about Andy Carroll, the footballer, and it's about my obsession with football. Okay. And like you can, I can try it out at one gig, dead silence. Some people don't get it, um, and then other times I'll get up and perform it, and then like heaps of people are laughing, and I, and some people like you would turn up to an open mic and then get the dead silence in the first reaction and go, oh, the poem must be shit. I'm not going to, like, read it anymore. Mm. But then, like, I think all the gigs are so different that you kind of have to try it out a couple of times. Um, And even that went through, like, I took it to WeWork, this shop. I've edited it and, like, played around with it and, like, tried to memorise it and, like, Mm -hmm. done different things with it. But, like, yeah. I wouldn't want to give up on a poem straight away just because like one crowd didn't really like it. That's yeah. Oh wow. You're reminding me of uh, an experience I had up in Sydney yeah. the other month where I, I read at the uh, Earn Valley 100th birthday thing mm-hmm. and um, look, I, feel, I hesitate to tell the story because I'm so embarrassed about it but yeah. basically I read this poem that I had put together. Mm-hmm. I've blocked it out, see. <laughs> the the subject was okay, so it was like Emran, you gotta like it's gotta be an Earn Valley poem, so it's gotta be kind of made up mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make up this scenario uh, in which um, like it's it's like a ransom note from a bunch of hackers, and they're packed into the email account of Richard Wilkins because mm-hmm. I think Richard Wilkins is an inherently comedic figure. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write as the hackers, and then I'm going to reply as Richard Wilkins. Anyway, the whole thing fell completely flat. Yeah. I was so embarrassed. There's all these people there whose opinion I care about so much. Mm. Anyway, um, took it home, tail between my legs, and yeah, like read it out to my partner who's obviously he's my partner so he's going to say nice things but yeah. he's like it's fine like it's funny it's okay but I for the life of me I do not want to read that thing out again mm-hmm. the silence is so deafening I yeah. just can't do it yeah. <laughs> but I take what you're saying like 
don't just go off one audience's reaction. Maybe workshop it a bit. Yeah. Maybe don't just. And it could be a variety of things. Like maybe sometimes I don't read a poem as particularly confidently in one open mic, and right. and sometimes I'll turn up to a gig and the, like I know a couple of friends are in the audience. Like so on Sunday I read the Andy Carroll poem at the Alan Cat readings in Richmond. Um, and I particularly wanted to do it because the feature Tim Evans is also a Newcastle United fan and I knew he would like react to it. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, maybe I kind of upped my performance because I knew like I felt confident that at least like he would get something out of it. Yeah. And there were a couple of WeWork the shop people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And so that worked fine. But maybe and then other times like I'm aware of one particular person or some people who might not like sport. I'm like, oh, they're not going to like the poem. And so you kind of hesitate or kind of. Mm. It affects your performance. Yeah, right. So it's actually it's actually about what's happening mm. up in your head, yeah. as opposed to like you could probably deliver a poem about almost anything, but if you do it with conviction mm-hmm. and uh, in a way that the audience can connect with, it's probably you're probably pretty safe to yeah. a certain degree. Yeah, and that's why I mem- if I like a piece well enough, I'll memorize it because mm-hmm. then I know the language and the words well enough to put the right emphasis in the right spots or play around with that a lot more mm-hmm. rather than focusing on what I'm trying to read or anything like that yeah. and then I can play around with that and like do it like give like a hundred percent commitment to the poem yeah yeah memorization is um it's a totally different experience mm-hmm. I read a memorized poem for the first time the other week at Sad by Sad West mm-hmm. and I was just like oh my god I never want to do it with a piece of paper in front of me again. This is mm. great. I can look at people. Yeah. But that was also two weeks of insane stress. Yeah. Trying to get like 15 lines down. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes a lot. Yeah. Some people are better at memorization than others. Yeah, like there's a poet called Hunch who, when he started doing it, I'm pretty sure he turned up to an open mic every week with a new five minute poem memorized. And I was like, how do you do that? It takes, it takes me a while to realize I like a poem enough to commit the time to memorizing it mm. um, and then sometimes I don't bother memorizing and then accidentally memorize because I've read it so many times yeah 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 mm. do you find that when you're memorizing a poem that you'll you'll find all the little um, janky bits and stumbling blocks because you're like oh I just can't get that line right mm-hmm. maybe that's because it's not it's not right I can't yeah. change it sometimes I'll change the line or the bit or the way I think I remember it I end up doing it that way not the way I originally wrote it or sometimes if I keep forgetting a particular bit I'm like it probably just doesn't need to be there doesn't need to be there yeah Yeah. it's like the poem's asking you Mm. to read it this way to remember it this way yeah Yeah, it's really cool kind of has a bit of a life of its own yeah Um, and other poems like I've the piece Poetry War that was in the latest Going Down Swinging um, starts basically listing a whole bunch of different types of poets and it has the versatility that if I turn up to a gig sometimes I can change around those like those labels and stuff like that um, Mm. which is like really fun or whatever yeah right another thing I wanted to ask about is the um, relationship between spoken word in a city Mm -hmm. like Melbourne or Sydney um, and then what about people who don't live in a big city Mm -hmm. like what are are their options in terms of are you aware of like smaller uh, regional scenes Mm -hmm. springing up? 
I'm definitely aware of regional gigs, not not necessarily to the extent where there's like a bunch of different events so that would kind of constitute more of a scene, but like Geelong has a gig called Lowercase Poetry, Ballarat has Words Out Loud, um, Cast Main has quite a strong uh, poetry gig, Poetic Cast, I think it's called, um, and sometimes, and the Australian Poetry Slam heats often will ha- have a whole bunch of regional heats, mm-hmm. I think. Um, like out in the country in Mildura and so forth um, so and then some of those people will travel into the city to come to gigs or whatever yeah. Um, but yeah I like you can kind of do spoken word divorce from events in terms of like recording stuff and sending it out or doing videos or whatever but I feel it strength is when it's live like performed live mm-hmm. because I feel like you can get so much more out of it that way like by seeing it in the flesh like I don't think videos and audio translate as well yeah so maybe that's one area in which being a page poet mm-hmm. is a little bit easier if you don't want to live in a city yeah um, if you want to be part of spoken word mm. community probably do eventually have to come in yeah to a metropolitan center yeah but sometimes like for for example, to, uh, this weekend there's a slam out in Woodend, and oh, cool. um, and so that for the Woodend Winter Arts Festival, and Ricky Livermore, who's um, on the NPS team, he's going out there to do a gig at that um, oh. out there. So often, like slam poets will go out to the country and stuff like that to kind of show, um, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. We did a gig. Um, we sent four poets out to the Shepparton Festival because. Um, a bunch of teenagers in the community specifically asked for slam poets so they contacted us and we sent them out because they were big fans of Aiden Look um, who was on Australia's Got Talent and um, so we sent four poets out there to run a workshop and do a gig and they loved it because they'd seen all the kind of slam poets on YouTube and like were really into it but hadn't really seen it at all in their community. That's so cool. Yeah. And so, and they wanted to try it out themselves. So some of them wrote poems and got up and performed for the first time after seeing Slam Poets, which was really cool. That's so great. Yeah. That's so, so great. Mm. I love how you're just able to reel off uh, a calendar of gigs from memory. It's kind mm. of amazing. Yeah. Like my whole head is just full of gigs. gigs like, yeah. yeah. Like I can tell you like when particular gigs are on and then, yeah. And cause it's just happening all the time. Like, um, there was a gig last night, I'm going to a gig tonight, I went to a gig on Wednesday, I'll probably go to a gig on Saturday, mm-hmm. and then I'll do the workshop on Sunday, yeah. and I'm, like, I just keep going to readings, because I'm fantastic. addicted to it, like, yeah. yeah. So is that really your personal kind of writing practice, is being in that space with other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to do, like, especially at the moment, like, free writing type exercises, and, like, and or writing to themes for certain events is really fun. There's a gig out in Elsinwick called Paperwaves, which happens in the on the first Saturday of the month, um, and they have a theme every month. And so you write to the theme, or I'll pull out like an old poem I haven't read for like years, because it specifically fits fits that theme, and I find that really fun. Um, and so yeah, I'm just constantly bouncing off the way other people write and stuff. I mean there's this slight danger that at the moment I'm just writing a lot about poetry and other poets because that's my whole world but that's uh, you wouldn't be the first yeah you could look to like your Frank O'Hara's yeah who did a lot of that sort of stuff or 
I mean, mm. yeah, that's just that's a constant conversation, right? Mm. Like that runs through so many poets' work. It's mm. um, yeah, this is this is my life, and I spend a lot of time with other writers. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I write about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really okay. Yeah, which is why I end up just writing about football because yeah. that's the only other thing I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I didn't. I didn't ask you this in advance, so I didn't give you any time to prepare. Yeah. But one of the kind of main themes of my podcast here is who is your three a.m. poet, mm-hmm. your poet that kind of gets you through uh, maybe darker moments or maybe moments of stress or even who just brings you joy. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Is there someone who fits that category? Yeah. Yeah. It's Bill Moran. Okay. Yeah. He's an American slam poet who's toured here three times and he's, he'll be back again this year. Um, he randomly contacted me via email saying I was coming to Australia when we were at our very early stages um, and we'd never run a gig specifically as Melbourne spoken word before. He's like, um, I was looking for gigs in Melbourne. I'm like, we'll do a gig for you. And I met him then at the first time, like, saw his poetry basically for the first time live on stage I'd seen like one or two videos and I was like blown away mm-hmm. and now he's I feel like if you think slam is formulaic you should watch him because I feel he yeah he's very experimental with the way he uses his voice and lines and like um it's not really like a linear kind of poem at all or like complete sentences or anything like that mm-hmm. and like yeah it constantly blows me away um and he also talks a lot about themes and mental health and stuff like that and I can relate quite a lot to him so yeah he's really cool I feel like I can relate to a poem much more by seeing someone read it in the flesh as opposed to reading it on the page because like there's that error of like what is it like poetry is I'm trying to remember back to university when they were talking about poetry being dead it's not the death of the author that's it right yeah Yeah. where it's like not about the author it's just about the work but I don't think that's true at all like I think um people bring their own kind of stories and their own personality and everything and their whole context into a poem and sometimes you miss out on that um when you're reading it on the page whereas you get some of that when you see them perform Mm. um and like spoken word is kind of I feel like for the most part autobiographical or like people are talking about their own experiences I mean page poetry can be like that as well and I think some if you think back like some of your favorite page poets you go back and you research their history and like you know I used the first poet I ever became like really interested in was Sylvia Plath and like I read Daddy but whole the whole story of daddy is like going back and working out what happened to sylvia plath as well Mm. like and that's part of the intrigue and you read more stuff into the poem because of that yeah and i feel like spoken word just brings all of that straight straight away yeah there's none of this dancing around oh Mm. are you the speaker is it i you Mm. and like am i allowed to do a biographical reading here it's just like no this is my life yeah okay yeah (laughs) i'm pretty sure i went to a poetry class once and they were like you should take all the eyes out of your poem, and then I turned. And then I turned up to a spoken word gig. I'm like, no, oh, but everyone's saying I. I'm like, I can, I can say I. Okay, and then yeah. I just kind of did it. So like, yeah. yeah. When I write a poem or when I write a spoken word piece, I'm not just writing or speaking in the same way that I would usually speak. Yeah. Like it has to be altered in some way. That's the definition I work 
by I'm doing something with this that I can't do like just speaking aloud or writing a blog post or writing an article like mm-hmm. I want to get across like some sort of feeling or not just tell like I don't want to just explain things in a poem yeah like I want some of the language to explain a little bit but yeah yeah kind of yeah. yeah um well maybe as a final word mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's listening to this and thinking, okay, I really want to get involved, like where should they start? Well, they should start by going to the website, melbournespokenword.com, go to slash events, um, and like look at the events and see what, when you're free, or like if there's a gig nearby, and get up and read on the open mic. Like, um, yeah, there's just like basically a gig on every night of the week in some place and most of them have open mics and anyone can get up and read so it's like the the level of um participation is incredibly high like people anyone can participate so yeah it's like not just a thing to come and like spectate or watch and see other people do it it's like for something if you want to throw yourself into it you can like straight away don't overthink it just get out there